Jordan, back with Starting a Startup. I uh, got here today, I've got my favorite man, Tony Grace, here joining me again for the podcast. So say hi, Tony. Hello. You're actually supposed to say hi, uh, hi, Tony. You know, just to do the dad joke type of yeah. thing with that. Yep. That would give everybody a chance to roll their eyes right off the bat. Um, so really glad to be able to get this stuff back up and rolling. I uh, got a chance to play a little bit with some microphones this morning, so we'll see how this ends up sounding. But... Um, Today, uh, this is kind of nice, you know, I got a guest people come in here. Uh, as you guys, if you got a chance to listen to the last podcast, you learned a little bit about uh, my injury. Uh, currently still sitting here, I'm sitting in a wheelchair, uh, paralyzed right foot, and on a lot of medication. So it uh, should be pretty interesting hearing a podcast while I am super fucking high on, on some medications, as Tony gives a big sigh. Um, so anyways, uh, today, what we're talking a little bit about... Um, Tony and I were having some conversations recently, and one of the challenges that we realized with the business is a lot of times you're bringing on new talent to try to grow your business. Um, for me, one of the things I have difficulty with is my combat carding team. Um, their IT development, um, you know, building the Infinity Combat System, I don't know what markers of success are, I don't know what reasonable expectations are, and that can sometimes be challenging. Um, and Tony's going through something similar, so Tony, talk a little bit, what, what, are you, uh, what is it the one that you're working with right now? Well, right now we, uh, I signed a contract with a, uh, with a CRM company and um, it's, you know, the, the primary intent is going to be that it's going to help our outside sales guys just be able to keep track of stuff better. And uh, whether that's the contacts or where the deals are um, in terms of the process, uh, going from lead all the way to converted to, you know, going from lead to converted to, to uh, the deal being done. And um, just laser focus in comparison to just trying to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, it's pretty. Everything's pretty loose right now. Honestly, it really doesn't really doesn't do a very good job as far as setting our sales guys up for success. Um, they would they would definitely benefit with a lot more structure. So it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. And uh, the gentleman in my twenty group from Missouri uses the same program, and it looks awesome. So we went ahead and did it. Um, but a lot of a lot of getting it customized to exactly what we want is. Uh, Stuff that I don't know how to do, nor do I want to spend time doing it. Um, it's really just not my thing. So, uh, got a great young man that's working for us, and he's uh, he's worked for us part time, um, going through his master's right now um, in digital marketing, and uh, he's he's helped us out a little bit with the social media and whatnot. But he's going to be coming on full time. We hope um, we're talking about it right now, but. Uh, need to be able to put something together that's attractive for both of us for him to come on board but he's going to be once he's working for us full time i mean the social media stuff is going to go crazy and he's really excited about the crm system too whenever i've talked about it so um i would like him to be in charge of that too because it's so new and honestly i'm not a big fan of social media in general we just we kind of have to do it um and my intent is that if we have to do it because we have to stay relevant i want to try and use it for good um again it's just not something i take a lot of joy in doing so i wanted to where a lot of companies are like kind of farming this out and uh you can get especially in my industry and i'm sure in a lot of other ones i mean you can get companies that will generate content for you automatically yeah it's thanksgiving they're you know here's 10 tips for how to winterize your car like whatever you know get your car ready for winter it's like nobody cares about that. It, it's it's content it's not yeah. it's it's, it's i guess it's kind of relevant but at the same time it's not personal so like you're to hire somebody to come and you're not going to make a connection with anybody exactly you your person yep your personality what your company is the demeanor of your company will never be expressed through out farming that out 
Um, but even bringing somebody on, you've got some challenges there because, I mean, what I've learned with business is no matter what, you are not going to find somebody that is going to be willing to just figure it out to the level that you are. Never. It's just, you know, they'll work towards it. They'll try to figure it out a little bit here and there. But what you can try to get resolved in the course of 10 minutes is often drastically more than what it would take them 10 hours to do because it's not theirs. They're not as invested heavily into it. Um, and that's the hard part when you hire somebody on like this is you don't know what those markers of success are. Um, so, I mean, how do you, how do you know, do, know somebody's doing a good job? Yeah, well, and, you know, first of all, I just want to comment on the, on the thing that you just said about, like, nobody's going to do it quite as good as you can. I not not do it quite as good as you can is they're not they're not going to invest themselves into it as much as you will right they're not going to come maybe. up with like unique solutions and try like so Salesforce but you know what you it's wouldn't like, have a single you, know, you would not have a single employee in your company say we should bring Salesforce on and I want to roll it out right uh right now no but that's not really anything bad about them that's just like that's not where their head is mm -hmm. you know the they they say that um, you know you've got basically three personalities you've got um you've got the you've got the uh worker you know like we can use the metaphor of like of a of a mechanical shop right mm -hmm. you've got the mechanic the mechanic is focused on the present because they're working on what is right in front of them mm -hmm. then you've got the manager this is not an original thought by the way it's from the e-myth but then you've got the manager who is constantly focused on the past because his job is to maintain status quo like he's trying to the, the metrics have been established he just wants to keep things going with what they are and then you have the entrepreneur who you know and that's a word that gets thrown around a lot and i honestly i don't i don't even really call myself that very much because i think a lot of people misinterpret what that really is well i think me, i think if you call is, yourself an entrepreneur you're not an entrepreneur right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe i don't know to me to me uh, my job is to see what's coming. Yep. Entrepreneur is somebody who's getting ready to start somebody, uh, uh, start something. A business owner is an entrepreneur who is already vested into it and is continuously seeking improvement. So, you know, yes, they're the same thing in definition on entrepreneurship between the two. But at the end of the day, the difference between somebody calling themselves an entrepreneur and calling themselves a business owner is have they started something? Do they have something that's functional? Yeah, maybe. And, you know, like not any one of those three personalities, which that simplifies everything down pretty, mm -hmm. you know. But um, none of them are none of them are any more or less necessary than anything else. Or you know, uh, you've got to have all of them mm -hmm. because the the manager can't spend his time doing the breaks because if he's doing that, then he doesn't have time to make sure that you've got three people working on a set of breaks. You know, and then if the entrepreneur or whatever the future guy. If he's sitting there working on brakes and, you know, to bring it home to me, I have no problem changing tires. I love to do it. I love changing tires. If I spend my time doing that, then I'm not focused on something else. Of what you should be focused what on. What I should be focused on to make sure that in the future, our company is just as relevant and just as successful and just as good of a place for these people to come to work as it can be. So, you know, is there anybody, is there anybody at Alma Tire that necessarily would have sought out Salesforce and roll it out and implement and it. And roll it out and implement it? No. But also, like, if I do my job correctly, I'm not going to do all those things either. I sought it out. I was actually seeking out a solution, and this was the one that we decided to go with. Um, but uh, I'm not going to be the one to really roll it out or develop it or anything like that. I can't. Well, I, gotta, I mean, I got to do other stuff. You know, I do have a question about that because that was one of the things with my injury and this whole COVID thing that kind of made me realize was I was finding the next steps that we needed in business. 
I was getting those things put in place. And then once I had them physically in place, I handed them off to people and said, you run with it from here and you get it going. And when COVID happened, it allowed a lot of those things to slow down and I'm starting to play catch up. And now we're, what, fucking four weeks later now at this point almost with the whole COVID shutdown thing. And I'm still playing catch up. And I'm going to be playing catch up for a while because some of the things that I handed off, it was too early to hand them off or the person they handed them off to didn't take the steps to uh, to really get it running. Maybe because they didn't have the background or the, the education to it or maybe they were just afraid of being able to do it. But at the end of the day, I realized that like I need to be more heavily invested for a serious amount of time to getting big things like that rolled out. Otherwise, it's garbage. Um, so for example, Concur. So Concur was something that I stuck with through and through. This is your accounting program. Yeah, right? yep, yep. I just, I just put a bullet in that the other day. I just, I'm not doing it anymore because it didn't work out the way we want to. I invested four months of my time to get that rolling. Now, if I'd handed that off to somebody, it had taken us a year to realize that that's where we need to be because my perception would be, well, you're just not doing it right. All the other people are working on it and whatnot, and I would avoid trying to get involved in it. So, you know, for you, is that something, like, at what point do you know to hand that off? Um, I think... You should hand it off as soon as you can, but um, I think the way that you I think the way that you manage that <laughs> is that you manage it, and I'm I'm a I'm guilty of not doing a very good job of that all the time. But you know I I I used to think okay if I just if I just ask a guy to try really really hard he's going to do a good job. Mm -hmm. No, that's not that's not not really 100 percent true. That's, that's not what's going to some people then, yes but then, yeah but. Um, but that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. <laughs> like if that person exists, all of their success has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, even you can even say, yeah, but I got this great company for them to work at, you know, whatever. They would be great wherever they're at. Yeah. Those people are insane. They're amazing. Most of them are running their own business. Um, most of them are running their own business. Yep. Uh, but I mean, they're just, those, those people are crazy. But, um, and if you got one, you're lucky. Um, but, uh, you know, then I then I thought, well, I'm just going to get somebody. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to incentivize that person to be able to treat it like it's their own. Mm -hmm. um, now that doesn't really work None because they don't. They, everyone's definition of success is a little different, and what, so, what everybody's incentivized by is different. It exactly. may be money, maybe yeah. time, whatever. Yep, yep. yep. So um, that doesn't really work. Then I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to go and hire the the guy that knows how to do this better than anybody. He's just very, very good at it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to incentivize him to do treat it like it's his own. Yep. Totally. That was another step in the right direction, but it wasn't the whole thing. You still have to, you still have to maintain good communication and see where they're at and still provide the direction. Cause like, that's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like, have you got, have you got guys, have you got guys on the boat that are, I mean, that are making decisions under you as far as like what to do and, and you know, how to keep everything rolling forward. Yeah, absolutely. But like there, there has to be, I mean, yeah. Like yeah. There's, your, there's a your small amount is, that your job at the top, at the very top is to make sure that everyone is doing what they're supposed to be doing according to what your vision is. Mm -hmm. like that's what it is. And if people get off track of that, it's your own fault. Mm -hmm. because either you're not communicating it to them well enough or consistently enough. Again, I'm a huge offender of that. I've been getting better. I think everybody that's a business owner is. You know, but I'm, I'm a little bit of a mechanic too. Like mm -hmm. I really like, I got a lot of mechanic in me. Yep. I really like working in the business and it's a distraction. But you know, there's a balance to it too because like I, I know you. You work, what, probably 70 hours a week? I would no, guess. I, 
used to. Now I'm married with kids, and my wife won't put up with that. So, well, I would say you, you're still more <laughs> probably than, like sixty. Yeah. Okay. So sixty. Yeah. So, and I think that's you know I've been trying to do a little bit of research lately of like you know how effective can you be by the number of hours because you know before the accident I would say I was probably working somewhere around ninety to one hundred and ten hours a week, and you know and, and it's hard to justify like you know do you take you know, being on call and taking phone calls all day, is that working? Or is it just when you're in your office or just on the floor or, you know, or when you're being intent and in, in, intentful in it? And um, a lot of what I was reading was along the lines, like, at 60 hours, you are fucking capped in productivity. Anything after 60 hours, it starts to be negatively productive because you don't have the capacity to continue doing what you're doing in that sense well. So you're making decisions that are... 50% that actually, so you're actually taking two steps backwards, one step forward ultimately with that because you're not thinking clearly. And all that extra time, so for me it was a realization that like I'm bringing on a bunch of, between 60 and 80 hours, I'm bringing on a bunch of shit that I can't manage and it's affecting that first zero to 60 hour time slot. Well, and I think it depends on, I think it depends on what you're doing for that 60 plus hours too. Because I used to work 80 hours a week and I did get a lot of stuff done. Yes. But when I was doing, but when I was working eighty hours a week, I was managing like one shop, mm -hmm. and I would get there really early, and I'd be basically picking up, uh, not really picking up the slack, but I just took on so much work mm -hmm. that like we couldn't get it all done. You just in the get day. it done, yeah. So I would come in early and mount up a couple sets of tires, and I would stay late. And well, you mount up some more tires and whatnot. You had so, a second job then, basically, because you had your manager job and then you had your mechanic job, like the analogy you yeah, had before. But that's the thing is like. So it's like working, you know, can you, can you not work more than 60, like, dude, I can, depending on what the job is, I can work for more than 80 hours a week mm -hmm. and be totally fine yep. and be just as productive. But, you know, when you start talking about stuff like, let's say like CEO stuff and you're having to try and do like, it, like really like work your fucking brain into finding solutions for problems that don't even exist yet. Mm -hmm. And you're working on things that don't like, a set of tires is really cool. Cause you can do the set of tires and be done with it in an hour and you get a little bit of you job You feel like you were productive. Yeah, yeah, you did something. Yep. yep. Whereas like you're trying to work on a project like Salesforce, this is gonna take us months. Yeah. Months and months and months. How do you keep going with that? You gotta step back from it and you gotta go yeah. change some fucking tires once in a while. Exactly. That's and what it, I'm getting at is when it, you were talking about how many hours we work, like you work a lot of hours. There has to be a mixture in there of some bullshitting, of some doing something that's productive but not productive in what you need it to be. Because outside of that, you're gonna lose your fucking mind. Well, honestly, um, what I would be doing right now, um, but I'm not because of because of COVID. COVID is a is a great excuse for a lot of things, but honestly, it's like in this case, there's just like no way that I could possibly do this. I, I live too far away if I was going to go home and do this. But you know, basically, I came to the conclusion where um, I would be more productive at work if I like you know everyone takes a lunch. I don't take a lunch. Mm -hmm. If I if I need to eat, which I sometimes I eat during the day. Uh, you know, I just run out, grab a sandwich and, and come back, but, um, I'm going to be more productive if I get a, if I get a gym membership mm -hmm. and I go and take a lunch, you know, basically just take an hour to just reset or an hour and a half total to leave the office, go do something physical, get my brain, like get some juices flowing again. And mm -hmm. I do a lot of thinking, dude, when I'm, when I'm running for a little bit or just doing like routine workout circuit like i don't get really crazy with shit but like, you I get clear do, too. but, you're, but you're, yeah, yeah i you and, and i think it's a i think it's a physiological thing yep. like your brain just works better yep 
and like I said, I do so much thinking during that time. So basically, like once COVID's over and the gyms open back up, you know, I, there's a gym like a couple miles from my from my office, and I know nobody's going to be there during the day, which is great. So I'm just going to go over, run the treadmill, whatever. I'll have my AirPods in. If people need to get a hold of me, they'll still be able to get a hold of me. Like I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But it's going to ultimately make me a lot more productive. I know. Yeah. Just to be able to just to take a little break and get a little bit of a mental reset. I have a hard time giving myself that chance to shut down though, because I'll be on a roll with something. And I know, same thing as you. If I literally just hit the pause button, put my phone on airplane mode and go do it, I'm going to be better and more productive in that role, but it just doesn't seem like it because I'm on a roll. But really what I'm doing is sitting there waiting for emails to come in to fucking respond to them often. Um, so that's a challenge for me is like, how do you flip that switch off? And you know, I've heard, um, when I was in Europe, we went to this uh, education seminar and it was well, talking- For the record, I don't switch it off. Yeah, no, I, I don't. Like I said, I'm gonna have my AirPods in and stuff like that. And, and I, airplane mode is not an option for me right now. Yep, and that's that's the People challenging part. People say I'm nuts about that, but that's the kind of business I'm in right now. And that's the challenging part, is how do you get that clear-headedness without giving yourself the opportunity to? Like there's, and there's multiple benefits to going to the gym. Like, you know, to me, I, I, I uh, made this example, this was months ago. I, uh, you know, my goal, or shouldn't say goal, minimum expectation for me was to go to the gym three times a week. And the reason that was, was because people treat you differently based on your appearance. It's just uniform. Like it, yet you can argue whether that's right or wrong all day long, but if, if you have two people with the same qualifications and one person shows up and is morbidly obese and the other person is physically fit, you're going to have a preference to the person who's physically fit. Well, that's that lizard brain like we were talking about last night, right? Yeah, exactly. Tyson said, because you're, you're conditioned to make generalizations. Yep, yep. It's a, it's a survival thing. So if you look good as a CEO, you get more opportunities. So to me, I was like, okay, it's my job to maintain a good physical physique because that's gonna open doors and make people connect with me differently because of that. So in my job description, I put minimum re minimum requirement, go to the gym three times a week. And that was my, you've gotta do it or you're not doing your fucking job. Um, and that was the way of where I was like, okay, now that that's my job, I can afford the idea of now I'm not contactable during this. And when I was in Europe, I went to, there was a productivity seminar and the guy who thought about that that way, it's really interesting. It was, it was a recent thing that like I had just put into place shortly before COVID probably for about four weeks or so. And I was gaining a, a lot it's of, it's a nice little, cause yeah, like that's, that's the thing that, the thing that probably prevented me from doing something like this a long time ago, which like I said, I haven't quite started yet, but it's like, I, I was like, man, if I leave work for a little while, it's like, you know, like I said, I. I'm, it's old school and you know probably not always that smart or true but i would be like yeah i don't take lunch well, be like, when do you take lunch i'm like i don't man i just work yep. i just work and it's like uh you know yeah if i but if that would be a nice like mental trick for me to get over that obstacle I guess. it's now it's, your requirement it's like it's my job to go and do this yep and it, it truly is you know no, I, i'm not doing a good job if i don't Exactly. And you, and getting that mindset too, and also explaining it to people like that, like your employees, like, dude, my job is also to be physically fit, look good so that people look at us like we're a healthy company. And you know, it's just going right back to that lizard brain. You know, there may be people listening to this podcast right now that are obese, that are frustrated with hearing this, but guys, at the end of the day, people are judging you based on your looks. How much self-control do you have? And it may not be something that's in your control or whatever, but at the end of the day, your appearance is a major com uh, contributing factor to your success. So like, let's think about it this way, what you wear. So if I show up to a job interview with a fucking Harvard degree in business and I show up in jeans and a t-shirt with holes in them and uncombed hair, 
or I show up with an MSU degree and I'm wearing a suit and I'm put together and I'm communicative in that moment, who's going to get the fucking job? I mean, the guy that looks like he has his shit together. Exactly. Yep. And that's, so early on with my business, I wore suits all the time. I went to the gym seven days a week. I was fucking fit and I looked good. And I realized that since then I started going to where I was wearing, you know, polos um, or, you know, like pullover uh, shit and whatnot and jeans and stuff. And I noticed that people were reacting to me very differently. And I, to be honest, my preference is I, I prefer dressing nice. I prefer button-ups and, and suits and things like that. But I also had the fear of, um, you know, how am I going to look for the business? You know, if I'm just walking through the business like that, you know, what is the perception that I'm giving off to that? Do I want to be relatable to the employees? I mean, in your industry, it was the same thing. When I wore suits and stuff to go out, everybody was like, what the fuck are you wearing? Like, you're overdressed for this, the, the situation. But every single meeting that I went to dressed like that, they would either bring it up and we would laugh about it and we would talk about it, or they took me more seriously. They saw me as somebody with a little bit of clout. So I thought the same thing with my physical, um, how I take care of myself physically, you know, going to the gym for it. And, um, but when I went to that seminar on managing your productivity and whatnot, it was put on by a guy who owns multiple businesses. And one of the things he said was, my business became better when I became selfish. And I didn't really agree with it. He said, you know, what do you, what's the reason you're in business for? So what, what, why are you in business, Tony? In business or yeah. like trying to run my own company? Which one are you talking about? I, know, I just, well, okay, let me, let me give you my, my, or the, the answer and everything to what I went through, because I actually don't know the answer to what you're asking there because, um, it can vary. So he asked, why are you in business? And I said, for my employees you know, to give them a good place to have fun and be able to be who they want to be. And then our guests to come in and absorb that. And he's like, that's great, but you're wrong. And he goes, you're in business because you have something that you're passionate about, that you want to grow and develop, that you can't do everything that it takes to do it by yourself. So you bring people on to help unload that. And so his whole thing was the people that I was constantly working with when I was doing 60 to 80 hours, they didn't take the steps. They, they didn't, they, I, he was keeping them from being able to learn. And this is a great example to my injury is you know, we're, we're going to get ready to open up here in July for this COVID thing. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to be able to walk. Kickstart my car. Kickstart my, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even talk about that on this yet, but that is fantastic if they oh. would have given us the go ahead. Um, but it could still happen. <laughs> just do it and ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, yeah, inside joke a little bit with that one. But, um, you know, I'm not going to be able to walk. I'm already having a difficult enough time to get a couple hours a day where I'm lucid and not on a massive amount of prescriptions or in a massive amount of pain. So now I've got to rely on my guys to be able to open this business up and do it effectively in probably one of the most challenging atmospheres there's ever been. The thing is, is I haven't had to ask a single word to them and they're already doing that stuff. So it's kind of like the idea that like, you know, if, if the, if dad gets injured, you know, the kid's got to learn how to, you know, do the dishes and mow the lawn and stuff like that because dad can't physically do it. So how do you chip in as a family? And our business is very much so a family. So in my injury, it's giving them the opportunity to now you go and do it because nobody else can do it and it's got to be done. And they recognize that. So the idea is, is the same thing in the past where <clears throat> I remember I had two, uh, two of my favorite store managers, um, I came back to Illinois, it was after I left the area, and they were like, uh, man, we had a, you know, you were such a great boss, you were such a great leader, we loved having you. Um, they're like, you know, as soon as you left, it was like nobody was there to support us. 
and they gave the example of doing an inventory. I was always there on the day they did their inventories to make sure that we, you know, we had everything right. There was no crazy questions because it was a very high demand day. It was almost a full day of me just putting focus, let alone additional with a store manager. And they said, you know, when you left, nobody came to do the inventories with us. And I was like, so what'd you do? And they're like, well, Jesus, you know, it was a headache the first time, but you know, we got to figure it out now, you know, whatever, it's not that big of a deal now. And I realized that I was holding them back by going there because I was doing the things that they were capable of doing, but I just wanted to be there to help them. So they never took that initial initiative. So it's like, yeah, maybe I do need to be selfish. Maybe I do need to cut myself back to 50 hours and literally shut my phone off and walk away because people are going to have to figure it out. And they're going to have to take those steps when they can't get a hold of me to get the answer. And being okay with their failures is a big part of that. So that's kind of, does that, does that so when I, when I talk through that, like, why are you in business? Um, I think, I think your guys probably got a good point, honestly. Um, I mean, yeah, like I, I do want to, I do want us to be the best place for these, for these people to work. And I want, uh, I want everybody to be able to reach the potential that they have in themselves, whether they see it or not. But, um, you know, the, the dreams and goals that I have for Alma Tire are, they're, you know, I didn't crowdsource it. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's a couple people that, that uh, are there, and, you know, we have we have serious discussions about what direction we want to take stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing is because I like to, I like to be completely in control of what happens to me. So, um, because if you are, then things don't happen to you, mm -hmm. right? They happen because of you. Mm -hmm. And that's where I wanted to be, like, live or die, rich or poor, whatever. I'm okay with, uh, I'm okay with whatever the consequences are. Um, as long as I can say, well, it's, it was on me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the other cool thing is like, I really like, I think, I do think of myself as kind of a creative person. And, uh, if you think about, you know, like what the root word is there, I like to, I like to build stuff. Mm -hmm. I like to create stuff. I like, I really like, like modifying it. And, yeah. Like yeah. I really like opening a new store. Yep. It's fun for me. I really like it. Yep. And then I like, so then I've created this environment and I've created new positions and I've created a new customer base because I've been able to hire a bunch of really great guys. Like you start kind of getting disassociated with it as you hire really, really good guys and mm -hmm. they're, they're taking it over. But I mean, that's, that's kind of the whole thing, you know, like part of the process. Yeah. yeah. And if you're, if you're doing a good job, it's like, I, I remember, uh, listening to, listening to some woman talk about how, um, you know, you're, you're doing a good job when you can, when you can leave and get out of there and everything still keeps going. Yep. And she said, uh, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be like the old man in the theater, uh, from the Scooby-Doo, you know, cartoons. And it's like, what are you talking about? Well, who's always the one haunting the old theater? Yeah. It's always the guy who that used, used to run the theater. You're right. Yeah. Right. It yeah. always was. Yeah. And he's hanging around and trying to ruin it and, because it's yeah, not his. And, and, and it's just like, you know, that's like, that's what he's doing. He's, he's haunting it. Yep. He's haunting that place. And I'm like, huh, interesting. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, like if 
I go to Alma Tire, like the location in Alma that I've ran for a long time, that I kept all these customers and had these amazing relationships, like can the can can Alma Tire do just as good of a job without me? Absolutely. But you know what? If I'm there and a customer sees me, they don't go to Steve. They come to you. Whose job is to whose job is to take care of that customer? He's going to do an excellent job. Mm-hmm. You know, good for me for hiring him. You know what I mean? Like that was my job. Yeah. That was my, that's my job is to get these awesome people to do a great job. But they don't go to Steve because that's not what they're really used to. They're you know for years they went to me and so that's what I do. And then in that in that way, just like you with your inventory, I'm limiting Steve yep. and I'm haunting that place. Yep. It's the ghost of Tony that's that's getting in the way, causing problems, knocking shit over. That's a really up, good know, example. Yeah. You know, it's it's spooking people and like you know messing the process up and everything. So it's like. You know, I I feel guilty. It's like when I go to Almatar and I know that I don't need to be there, sometimes I feel guilty that I'm being kind of selfish. And because, like I said, like we've said, it feels good to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really, you know, it's your job isn't, isn't to be at a certain time. If you choose, I mean, you can have just one location and be the you can be the lead singer of the rock band forever if you want mm-hmm. to. Yep, that's that's totally cool. Like, there's nothing wrong. Whatever with Whatever your preference is, yeah, yeah. Yep. Like, <laughs> I I think about it a lot of time. Like, I got a I got a buddy that runs a body shop, and man, he has a great time. Just doing what he does, and he runs an amazing body shop. Yep. And I'll sit there and talk to him, and he's like, "What are you doing?" And I'll be like, "Well, I got this, and I got that." And like one day, he's like, "You know, you do this to yourself, right?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." But you talk about Mike. Yeah, 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 and like you Mike. know him. He's yep. an, he's an amazing dude. Yeah, but um, you know, but this is what I want to do. You know, and someday when I retire, like I'm gonna get a little two bay car shop, and I'm just gonna run it. That's just gonna be myself. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> yep. But you know, for right now, I'm not done going through this creative process. Yeah. I'm just having too much fun overall with it, as stressful as it is, and I really do like. Man, then you do start getting relationships with some of the people that you work that you work with, and it's incredible. Yeah. Like, I mean, like take the Gaylord store for instance. You know, that's the that's um, well, it's not quite the newest thing. The newest thing would be Josh over there, um, with his mobile mechanic, and out of uh, out of the Durand area. Yeah. I mean, dude, like these people are amazing. They're not just good at their jobs; they're legitimately good people. Mm-hmm. They're trying really hard. I would want to be friends with them mm-hmm. if I was if they weren't working at Almatire. Right. Like. They're cool, and and I just I like that this is my team. And like when people call me, they're like, "Well, you know, um, we hired that new manager over in Bay City, and uh, it was Al from Cadillac Wholesale. Remember Al? Yeah, Al Fenerty, yeah. Yeah. great guy. And he uh, he texted Jeff, and Jeff sent me a screenshot of it, and he sent it to me, and he goes, "Well, you've added another awesome person to your team. That's I've awesome. known Jeremiah for years, and I know him from back in the blah blah blah. And man, he knows how to take care of the customer, and I." I, that means I, a lot. It's been now. a joy to work from. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, he's been in the industry for like fucking a hundred years. <laughs> yeah. But it's like you know, I think it's pretty cool when people are like, "Man, you've really assembled an awesome team." Yeah. And I'm like, "Yeah, it's taken me ten years to do it. A lot of figuring out, and uh, I still could be a better boss for sure." Well, there's waves but, of that. You know, you have you have you know the hard part is is like you're you either coach them and your hands on everything with them very heavily and then it's this like let me do my thing let me you know don't micromanage me like trying to balance that and then 
there's the other side of it, like we were talking about, where like you got to kick the bird out of the nest sometimes. You know what they're capable of, and you know that if you just put them in a situation where they have to figure it out, they will, and they're going to grow and develop from it. But they also feel like then that they're abandoned. It's just well, this, like you go figure it out type of thing. Yeah, it's like well, you're capable. And that's, yeah, and that that's a hard balance too because yeah. I think the really, 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 really good guys are hungry for feedback. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we don't have a systematic monthly review with every with every manager or up-and-coming two-manager person. Like, we don't have that right now. We should, you know. Um, and I've been saying that for a long time. But, uh, you know, I do, like, I, I try to at least maintain constant contact. How was your day? You know, they'll tell me about some certain situation. I will give them feedback on that situation. Well, did you think about it like this? Okay. Like I have one of my one of my sales guys lost a deal over two dollars and he was all pissed off. And uh, I said, "Well, what did you say when he said that he was going to go with the other guy?" He's like, "I was so pissed. I just I I was just like, okay, oh, thanks." And I'm like, well, "Didn't didn't the other guy totally screw him over like a ton last year?" Yeah, he did. I said, "Then why didn't you know that perfect opportunity to bring that up?" Mm-hmm. Listen, like if you want to find the cheapest guy, like don't don't ever don't ever call me. Mm-hmm. Like. But if you, you know, if what you're talking about, like, if you don't think I'm bringing more than two dollars, don't you think? Don't you think I'm bringing more than two dollars worth of value to you? Yeah. How much would you pay to not go through the bullshit you went through last year with that guy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, but that's. I mean, he's a young, he's a young guy. He's getting on in his sales career and whatever. And so, like, I've got a little bit of experience. So that's one of those things where we talk about. It. Yeah. Would it be better if we were meeting once a month consistently? Yeah. But this is what we're doing right now. You know, I was thinking the other day about like. Um, you know, recruiting talent and everything, you know, the heart, like we, we said earlier, you know, the people that are just absolutely willing to figure it out and say, you know, we need this as our next step forward and like visionaries with it, they're willing to implement, they're willing to execute and they do a good job with all that. They probably run their own company. I look at Sometimes. like, yeah, I, I think, I think more often than not, if they're not running their own company, it's because they're young and they haven't got the, they haven't seen the opportunity yet, I think. Or because they've found a company that they work for where they're like, I love applying my skills at this company yeah. because I I like where this company is going. Totally. Yep. So I, I do have a team of people that are very much like that. Because that can happen too. Yep. But it's, only at a really good company. <laughs> so I was interested though, but I was thinking about like, you know, right now, for example, Amazon's trying to purchase AMC movie theaters. Um, to me, I think oh. it's them. They're trying to control the uh, distribution of movies out there so that they can get the cinema side of it. And um, so the creation of movies and what's going to get, be content in there, they have ultimate control over that side of it, which is a very lucrative business, the entertainment businesses in general. Um, so like, but as I'm thinking about it, like there's also a lot of IT companies that just get purchased that like, I get it. It's kind of similar to what they're doing. It's a branch of it. Cause like they say the richest way that are the, the fastest way to get rich is to find, buy businesses that complement what you do. I've always used the analogy of, I own an automotive repair shop or multiple of them. I make a, I, I buy a scrap metal company and they go around to all my shops and everything. They get all the scrap, they sort it and everything. And then they make their money doing that. So basically, instead of me paying somebody or losing margins on it, then that's just an additional business. I already have something that can keep it busy and can get its break even, and they do additional from there. So I think that's a lot with acquisitions, but I was just wondering, I wonder if a lot of companies do acquisitions for the talent. Because like, let's, let's say you were to buy high caliber carding today, right? You're purchasing me, you're purchasing Casey, you're purchasing Zach, you're purchasing a lot of really high-end talent that is very committed to what it is. Like... I wonder how much of that is actually the acquisition side is really just recruiting some top end talent. I think it, I think that goes on all the time. You know, um, the people are your greatest asset. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And that business, you know, 
you could say, well, it's the processes and it's the this and it's the product and it's whatever. But like, take all that, take all that um, with no great people to run them. It's, you know, you don't have much, Yeah. you know. Uh, so anybody that's, anybody that's taken a hard look, like we, we took a hard look at buying another tire shop about a year and a half ago. And one of the key selling points for us was we knew who was going to stay there and run it. Mm-hmm. And we knew that it was going to be a turnkey deal and, you know, whatever else. I mean... The fact that the building and the customer list and everything else is right there, is that cool? Yeah, for sure. Dude, like, if it would have taken us a year to sort out good help, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows what the attrition rate would be? Oh, you know, a customer a customer is going to say, well, it's not the same guy that owns it. And they're going to judge the shit say, out of that. And they're going to say, well, it's not the same people down there. Like, they're going to say, well, it's not the same business. And you know what? It's not. Yeah. It's I mean, shit, you had it business. when you put managers in place of a, of a place that you used to manage. You'd hear from customers all the time, like, oh, man, he's not doing this, like, whatever, like, because it was different than the way you did it. Yeah. I had that with every well, Firestone I and you got Yeah, and you got to be able to sort out, like, what is, it's like, you know, somebody, I was in the Alma Tire parking lot the other day, and I, and there was a guy that works at a company that we do a lot of business with, and he was in his car, and he pointed at me, and he goes, that's the guy I got to see right there. And I said, do you need me, or do you just want me? Yeah. You know? Because it's like, if you just need your tire patched, That's these it. guys are going to take awesome care of you. Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> People don't believe you where you're like, because I've stepped away from it at this point, if I try and do the job that you were used to me doing, I'm not going to do a great job. Yep. yep. You know, I, I can't believe I'm even going to say this, but it, it's true, so I'll admit it. One of our mechanics was putting tires on, and it was after hours on his own vehicle, mm-hmm. and I wanted to help him. It's been a long time since I've done tires on a machine. Uh, a set of car tires, and these were 20s on a Ford Flex, and I scratched the living shit out of one of the wheels. Oh, fuck. And it was, and it was because I'm not, I'm like, you know, I wanted to help and I wanted to do this, but like... You're not practiced. I'm not, yeah, dude, I'm I'm rusty. Yep. You know? So, it's, you know, if you've got a really good person and you've got a really good process, that's like, all someone wants is they just want to be taken care of. Yeah. Like, they don't need you. Nope. What they want is to be taken care of. They want familiarity, honestly. Yeah. Like yeah. people don't like change in general. Yeah. But but you can but if you but if you're the new guy and you can knock their stocks off, yep. customer just found a new guy. Yep. And a new regular. Yep. And they're fine with it. And you're gonna have some people that leave and there's gonna be some people that come back because you don't get along with everybody. True. Yeah. yeah I've got some customers that you know, they like Steve has told me they're like, Man, this place is so much better since you're running it. Yeah. And yep. I'm like Good. Good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> My job was to hire a great manager, and I guess I did. Yep. Yep. Cool. I'm gonna go do other stuff now. Yep. I'd love to hear more of that. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> let's let's see the numbers that match that too to get to have it bring up. But yeah, and they do. Yeah. And they do. Yep. So yeah, it's it's it is an interesting thing though. You know, you got the balance between you know the feedback. You're you're absolutely right. Feedback is a huge component of that that can kind of help uh, help help kind of um, overcome that uh, micromanaging feel. Um, but you know, you also got to get them to understand what you see in them. You know, more, I, I think more often than not people have been criticized me because I see more capability in somebody than they see in themselves very often. Um, Zach Gillette was somebody that was a great example of that. He said that all the time. And I was like, man, if you, if you could see just 25% of the capability that I see in you, you would conquer the fucking world. Um, and I think people have a hard time realizing that 
just because they're not getting guidance or anything doesn't necessarily mean that you know this person's neglecting or dis or, or disinterested or um, you know got their attention elsewhere. They may be very purposeful in that net, net that neglect because they know you're fully capable of it. You just got to make the decision that you're you're gonna do it. Um, so you know we roll that back to this marketing manager guy that you're looking at bringing into uh, or bringing in here shoot soon. Um, you know he's got a lot of things that he's gonna be taking under his uh, on his shoulders and whatnot, especially early on and to implement. Do you feel like you can get all those things done quickly or like you know do, have you had like a have you set like a time frame like you know Salesforce we're going to spend eight months implementing Salesforce and that's all you're focused on or you know is it kind of you're handing him everything and he's got to run with it and everything's going to move a little bit in a certain direction or are you very laser pointed in exactly what he's working on well my plan is you know like we we kind of uh co-wrote his job description mm -hmm. yesterday and uh you know we talked about what I want to see happen and what he what he likes doing and what he thinks is possible but you know like one of the things he asked me was do you want to you know like if we get if we get certified by this CRM company then it's gonna it's gonna be a lot more expensive than if we just go through this other place that's certified to certify and it's $200 and I'm like yeah well and I told him I said I would rather spend the money so that neither one of us has a question of like like we went with the absolute standard from the company that makes the product this is what you need to learn to be certified. Mm -hmm. I'm like, we're just going to do that. And the other thing is like, yeah, we're going to get a list of projects that um, we want to get done in a certain time frame, and we're going to consult with somebody else who's already done plenty of Salesforce implementation. Is this realistic? Yes. Okay. So I agree. You agree. This third party agrees. This should be able to get done in this certain amount of time. So that's how we're going to do it. Is it guaranteed to work? You know, but that's our baseline. That's yeah. where we're gonna. That's where we're gonna start. You never know if anything is is actually going to be able to work. This the concur thing was my biggest one that I have invested into recently that I thought was a slam dunk for us. Um, four months of my time, several thousand dollars of investment. You know, hours and hours of my other employees' times and everything. And to put a stop on that one, yeah, it sucks. But you know what? Sometimes you gotta take a step forward that isn't truly a step forward, but you won't know for a while. Just to say, well, that didn't work, but we tried. Uh, because the worst thing you can do is just not take those steps. You know, it's the people who are willing to embrace change and try new things that survive. You know, it's not the people who were, you know, just built with a strong foundation from the get-go because everything changes all the time. You know, COVID, yes, it shut us down. It's been very, uh, this is an astronomical uh, impact into a business, but they say, I think it's like every 26 years, I think it is, something like this happens to a business, something very, very big that changes the landscape of, of economics. We're just hitting it right now, young in our careers and with it, but people who have been doing this for 50 some years, they could look back to something that impacted them similarly. You know, and how great is that? This is happening to us right now. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Get like, to learn I'm the like, worst man, of it. If this doesn't happen again for another 20 years, yeah. I've got an awesome couple decades ahead of me. Yeah, if, I, if this is as bad <laughs> as it gets, yeah, I, dude, I feel you. Like for me, like this, you know, the COVID thing, you know. And that probably sounds kind of like maybe I'm. Let me say, like, maybe that sounds kind of arrogant or something like that. Like, maybe I'm sounding like it's not a big deal. It's a big deal. But, you know, like, we were lucky enough, like, we're in a, you know, we're classified as essential. And, you know, we had a lot of, we had a lot of, uh, you know, we don't, we don't overextend ourselves and whatever. And we had a lot of things set up really well going into this mm -hmm. that allowed us to weather this storm pretty well. Yeah. And, and it's not over. Oh, but, no, it's not going to be over for a while. You know, but so far, I mean, things could be a lot worse. And that's it. It's like right now, like, how much worse can it really get in the economy? Every fucking business pretty much out there getting shut down across the globe. 
I mean, what worse could really happen to a business other than, you know, maybe like fucking terrorism type of thing on a specific business that's extremely targeted? There's not much worse that you can run into business economics wise. You know, if you lost an employee from like death or something like that, obviously it's a huge deal and whatnot. But when you think of something that is um, globally impacted, there's not much more severe than what this can be. And well, if you can global, weather this. I think, I mean, if, if I've learned one thing from this whole deal, it's that it's kind of like uh, whatever you think is, whatever you think is impossible, like whatever scenario, like I would have never thought, I would have never thought that they would ever cancel the Final Four for anything, for anything, because yeah. there's so much money. I remember when they first said that, and that was like a week or two after they canceled South by Southwest, which was like a 260 some million dollar, I think, uh, boon for the Austin economy. You know, like there were people, there are people that, um, there are bartenders that work, that live and work in Austin just because of this, of this crazy period of time in South by Southwest where mm-hmm. it's just Austin is flooded yep. with money. They make, they make all and their commerce, money in a three month really. period. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, it, you know, like this stuff, I would have never, I would have never thought would happen. And, yeah. uh, you know, all kinds of other stuff. I would have never thought, I don't know. I mean, but it's, we're, we're seeing wild stuff. We don't have to go there. But you know, um, you know, could it get worse? I, yeah, I think it could get worse. Can I imagine it getting worse? No, I don't know how it could. Yeah, I'm just imagining basically nobody ever having any money to buy anything at all. Yeah, I'm imagining business, and then I'm imagining that going further and further and further in businesses. You know, like at least they're still building windmills. I don't really understand why. <laughs> I don't really understand how. With everything else that they're saying is not essential. I don't understand how somebody somewhere is saying that it's okay to keep building windmills. Yeah. You know, like, that's insane. And it's not like I'm against windmills. And you windmills folks that are building the windmills, I love you because you need stuff from me and I need stuff from you and this is the economy. Yeah. But I just don't understand the decisions that are being made of what is deemed important enough to keep rolling and, well, can what, you, and what isn't. Can you can you imagine, like, so, and, you know, as much as I, I despise the government and how they're handling this entire COVID situation, because I think it's, I mean, flat out, and I've explained this to everybody, I believe that this is an overreaction. I do not think it's that big of a deal. I think that they're going to justify it and make it look like it's that big of a deal because of the actions they took to shut everything down. They have to look like they made the good decision. So they're going to purposefully inflate the death count numbers to make it look like it was a big deal. Do you think that's what's going on? I absolutely do. 100%. Really? Yep. yep. 100%. I think I think people got scared because yeah. they didn't know. And I can't say I would have done anything differently in the get-go. I First honestly all, can't. I agree with you. And second of all, I agree with you on everything. I'm not going to hide that. Second of all, uh, yeah, we were all freaked out at the beginning. Yep. And it's okay to be freaked out in the beginning. Yep. But it's been a little while. We've got some facts under our belt. Let's do something about it. It's, it's okay to change your mind. Yep. It's okay to say, hey, I, was I learned something. Yep. It's okay to say, I was wrong about what I thought. It's totally fine. But it's not, because society will fucking lose their shit on you if you were wrong, especially as a politician. You know, and like, you know, we're in Michigan. We are actually in the most uh, depressed state in this situation. They they did some studies on it of like, um, how many, uh, the call volume for suicide rates and uh, the... Uh, posts that are being perceived as depressive, so there's like analytics on if I do make a post that it shows uh, indication of, of depression, Michigan is two times higher than any other state. Really? And while it's pretty obvious, you know, we are under the most scrutiny in the entire country because we have a governor who is very much so 
she's got she's got a fucking flag that she wants to plant on a mountain and i get that the decisions that they made early on i don't know if i would have made something different because ultimately if somebody comes to you and says you've got two options either you go full fucking steam ahead and keep doing what you're doing and millions of people could potentially die or you shut it all down and you possibly save thousands of lives and you have to figure out the economy afterwards i probably would i, I would lean towards the shut it down as well uh, you say shut it down you know it's like let's shut it down until it's safe again yeah. right yep so how do you determine what's safe? Facts, yep. figures, science. Yep. Right. And but gut. I mean, honestly, because like, how many people have to stop dying before you turn things on? Um, the one of the things I heard was the replication rate. Mm-hmm. That's the indicator that they were talking about. And uh, if the replication rate is less than one, then you know that the spread is going down. Yeah. If it's more than one, then it's still spreading more and more and more. If the replication rate is less than one, then there you go. Yeah. Right? Which I thought maybe I was like, huh, people pretty smart people out there right. coming up with very simple ways to figure that out. Um, you know, and what is the replication rate in Michigan as a state as a whole? I don't know. I don't know. I don't it's not really relevant for me because I'm not talking about, hey, uh, what's going on in Detroit. I'm yeah. not talking about that. What I'm talking about is like this barber here in Owasso, yeah. where you know uh, it, our governor says you know there were 13, there were 13, uh, I think deaths. There were 13 deaths in Shiawassee County alone. Well, how many people are there in Shiawassee County? Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? And were those deaths actually because of COVID, or were they yeah. marked as COVID because they were fucking they had they had yeah. uh, emphysema or whatever, and were on their last how leg as it was? How many people have died of like a hundred other things yeah. in Shiawassee County in the last, you know, it's just like, look, some things are preventable. Some things aren't yep. like some things you have to take calculated risks and move on with life. Yep. You know? Um, but, uh, I don't know, man. They, there's, there are a lot of feelings, a it, lot of feelings. It's really <laughs> hard, you know, and I get it. Like as a governor, okay, I've got to shut things down in the get go because that was really the direction it was going. So let's just assume no matter what, everybody in this world would have made the decision to shut down early on. And I think that it's a pretty reasonable thing to be able to say because if somebody's going to say, hey, you could have millions of lives on your shoulders, you're going to take it a pretty serious step and you're going to say, okay, let's... let's err on the side of caution. Yep, because our worst we case scenario on that... We don't right now. Yep, let's wait until we have some additional facts. And so like, what would happen is like, okay, we're shutting all this down, but we have essential services. And everybody's like, ah, well, how is this essential and how is this not? It's like, well, you know, the economy is really fucking broad. How can you say this but not this? So you, you set it out there and you say, okay... Everything's shut down except for this. This is what we think. And then you receive feedback from your followers and the people that you are governing and say, you know, why is it that I can't go fishing? And this is ridiculous that I can't buy seeds and everything. You say, okay, okay, yep. You know what? I didn't think about those specific things. I'm glad you guys brought it up. Let's turn those things on specifically. And can you imagine, like, can you imagine the credibility? I, I mean, I think that if, if somebody would actually say, you know what? I didn't think about that. Yeah. Here, let me go make the right decision now. Yep. Yeah, you know I'm I mean? glad you guys are giving feedback like this. Please give more feedback like this because I can't know everything that's out there. So let's see, like give give feedback like crazy. If we see there's a certain area that's getting a ton of people saying this doesn't make sense, then let's look at it and see if it doesn't make sense because you know the the, the population is going to speak those things. And they're kind of doing that, but I think they're also ignoring a lot of the facts that like maybe you don't have to be so selective of what opens up. Maybe it's time to just fucking open it up. I don't know, the other states, it's nice to watch because so many other states are opening right now, like uh, Georgia, for example. And so people that run family entertainment centers, there's a Facebook group that has them, and they're talking about what their sales are day by day in comparison to what it was their prior year. 
And that's very helpful for me to understand how should I staff my people when we go to open? What is going to be the reception? How long does that take before things get up and running? And that's, you know, you know, building a network outside of your, you know, your com immediate community around you helps you out with that stuff. But um, that's the same thing that the governors need to do. They need to build a network of people that it doesn't matter what their beliefs are, whether they're Republican, whether they're Democratic, and making this, this political divide. It's what is important for the United States right now. And we've lost that completely. Yeah. I mean, to sit there and say, how am I going to make decisions on this situation based on what's important for me as a Republican yeah. or based on what is important for me as a Democrat is fucked up. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. It's it's like, that's messed up, man. We are so polarized as a, as a country because of the party system. Like, yeah. I just... I, I don't know. You know, and the party system, it can and should be a good thing. you got to have checks and balances, mm -hmm. you know, but... Uh, Oh, man, you know, wasn't it, wasn't the point to have a, to have a solid union? Yeah, like, it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't, the point wasn't, like, make the whole country, you know, Divide subs us. subscribe to one, yeah. subscribe to one philosophy. Yeah. It's, let's make it inclusive and let's hear people out and let's use our differences and perspectives to our advantage. Yep. You know, now... Everyone's screaming at everybody, and it's about being right, and it's yep. about the other guy being wrong, and it's like it's so dumb. They're they're so focused on who's right and who's wrong, they forget the entire purpose of the argument is to come up with a solution. Yeah, it's just it's it's more important to be right than it is to have the the right steps forward to have the right answer. Yep, yep. So like if if this in this entire situation, if there's a scientist that comes out and says this is law, this is what's happening, this is what's going on with this, some people are going to believe it, some people aren't. And they're going to argue whether they're right or wrong the entire time, not lo not talk about it like, well, what do you, do, do you believe in this? What do you feel like is right about this? What do you feel like is wrong with this? And then trying to sort out a solution by refining that. And it's the same thing of like, you shut down an entire econ economy, can you be palms up and say, hey guys, this is the steps that I'm going to move forward with this. I would love for some feedback from everybody. Here is a website. I would love it if people would come and say, here's the things I'm concerned with. And as we move along, we're going to see over the course of the next week, there's a lot of things that I that are wrong with this because I can't plan everything for it. So guys, give me some feedback where it is. Give me some understanding of what you're seeing so that I can make the right decisions for our country or for our, our state as a whole. That's, to me, an ultimate leadership. But like, as a leader, how is that perceived? Well, the, the, everybody in the world is so focused on one person being right and one person being wrong, it's going to be perceived as this person doesn't know what they're doing. Even though that's what, you, what you're doing is what you should be doing. Getting information from a large community of people that know more in detail than you do, and then taking that information and making wise decisions based off of it. Yeah, well, it's just learning. Yeah. It's learning as you go. Oh. You know, it, and that's what's crazy is like when people criticize other people for not having the answers for something that they've never experienced before. Yeah. You know, like people are like, can you believe everything that Trump's done over this or that or whatever? Which for the record, I don't think he's done that terrible of a job at all. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, are you kidding? Like, are you kidding me? Like, can you imagine is, the this, magnitude of this? Like, this is, who's been through this? Yeah. Where's the playbook for this? Yep. Like, <laughs> it's okay to make mistakes. You know, yeah. And like, that's the thing. It's like, you listen, you listen to some of these reporters, dude, that are like, it's like, listen to the questions that they're asking. There was one where a reporter asked this, like, just ridiculous question. And, uh, and he knew what he was doing. He was trying to, he's like trying to get his goat. Yeah. And it's like. Just get under his skin and yeah, piss him off. And like, and Trump said, he goes, how do I respond to that? 
He goes, that's a terrible question, and you're a terrible excuse for a journalist. Yep. And I was like... Good for him. Good. Yep. You know? And it, like, for the record, it makes me just as irritated when a Fox News reporter just starts talking about a liberal over something that is... You know, they just, they try to manipulate the situation and make them look stupid and everything. And it's mm-hmm. like, where where is the learning? Where is the seeking to be, you know, the seeking to understand and to be understood? Yep. Like, come on. You know, it, it's 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 cable TV. Yep. And but, you know, I think there's a large portion of the population that is going that direction. It's going, all right, I'm fucking sick of this pointing fingers, squeaky wheel gets the grease type of shit. Like... You know, we we want to be inclusive, and we want to understand where people are coming from, and we want to be able to make it to where everybody feels comfortable. Like, genuinely me, I want people to be able to do whatever the fuck they want, as long as it doesn't negatively affect me. So if you that's want to how go, it should be. Yep, that's if, literally, literally yep. what this country was founded on. So if my neighbor wants to go shoot a fully automatic gun, I don't give a fuck if he wants to go shoot a fully automatic gun. If he wants to shoot it in the direction of my house, now no, I got a problem. a problem. Yep, exactly. So, like finding the, the, you know, like, you know, making the rules and laws and everything that go in between that stuff is that, well, you can have it, but be, don't be fucking stupid about it type of thing. The problem is we have a lot of people that don't really understand, you you know, they, they don't have that whole scope of things and it opens up some, some trouble. But what we're getting to is we're getting into a situation where the government is choosing what to protect ourselves with. We no longer have the choice of what is going to save us, what's going to injure us, and we don't have the chance to take risks or so make that's kind of the problem right there because you know what if people could if people had a little more freedom and uh you know they were empowered a little bit more to self-police mm-hmm. you know we're basically like if people were walking around being just crappy people and there was a little more leeway for these people to like kind of get checked mm-hmm. we wouldn't have we wouldn't have nearly it's like it's like when they talk about like you know how how Facebook is basically set up for arguments, yeah. and you look at how people talk to each other, dude, on Facebook, and it's unreal, unreal. And it's like, okay, this is all really good. Hey, you know what? Um, now that you're yelling at me and calling me stupid and everything, maybe we should meet in person and kind of talk this out. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I don't want to do that. Yep. Why not? Is it because you know that I'll tear your head off? Yeah. Because you should never talk to somebody that way. Yep. You know, like, but but people just hide behind. This, you know, I call it like being phone tough or being internet tough. And they hide behind it and they just say whatever the heck and they have no, no regard for any kind of blowback. And, well, they, because the, the, there isn't any. And they can be wrong. They can be wrong, uh, you know, 99 out of 100 times. And nobody's actually checking how often they're wrong. So, you know, we have these people that are constantly predicting doom and gloom and chaos with everything that happens in this, in, in the world. And they're continuously, that doesn't happen, yet they still predict that, and people still share that shit in There's those moments. There's a really moments. good Freakonomics episode about that, by the way. Really? About prediction. Ah. Yeah. Cam Newton. Cam Newton's the football player, right? Yeah, sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, they opened it up with some, like, kind of quote, and they were like, what do you think about this, you know, these, like, uh, sports statisticians and whatnot that are, that are, um, that were predicting this and that, and he's like, I think it's, you know, I think it's really stupid, because it's like, if they're wrong, like, where's where's the penalty for them to ever be wrong yeah you know you could predict all kinds of things all the time if it comes true great if it doesn't whatever whatever yeah you know and it's it's yeah there's no there really is no social capital um there's no there's no consequences for anything it's just a bunch of people trying to be loud trying trying to be right you know and it's funny because like so the government is trying to make sure that they're protecting us right 
Like that's that seems like everybody like they're everything that they're doing is to make sure that you don't go hurt yourself or hurt somebody else, right? Well, let's look at this whole COVID thing. How much crime was really happening when this COVID breakout happened? The police officers were literally told, be seen, but don't take action, right? Okay. Yet we didn't see these fucking mass shootings and stuff like that that was happening because everybody was focused on how do they protect themselves and how they protect other people. So the fact that we all had something more important to focus on reduce the amount of crime activity that was happening during there. I mean, it's, and, and it also could just be that the media wasn't focused on that. Absolutely could be the case. But I found that extremely interesting. But the government knows that the most powerful way to enforce something is by doing it socially. So for example, you're required to wear a mask when you go into public. The governor said, nobody is going to be arrested for not wearing one, but you're required to do it. What they did is they put the entire enforcement of wearing a mask in public on society that if you go somewhere without a mask on and everybody else has a mask, you're perceived as an asshole. And it makes yeah. you kind of feel small. Yeah. Even though like, I firmly believe that this is overblown. It's not a major consequence or anything. I'm still wearing a mask when I have to go into these places because I don't want to be an asshole. If I make them feel uncomfortable or whatnot, like, that's not my goal. I don't want to do that. And if all I have no, to do see, is... But you know what? The thing is, is like, I, I don't know. I haven't gone into a place that has a, ma that has a mask wearing policy. I haven't done it and I'm not gonna do it. The, the thing, the problem that I have with it, you know, do I, do I, uh, I feel bad about making people uncomfortable? Yeah, I don't wanna make people uncomfortable. But because the masks have been scientifically proven to basically like not do anything. Yeah, if not be negative. And, and it, uh, yeah, you're breathing in your own. Touching breath. your face with so yeah. just the mask and yeah, shit. Yeah, it's like whatever. But, um, you know, I feel that it's part of the scare tactic narrative, mm -hmm. and I feel that it perpetuates it. It does, and that's the problem. Is like you're another you're another person that is buying into this, and now you're part of that wave. Yep. And that's why, like, it's I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be right. I'm just doing what I think. What you think is right is right. You. We are and being conditioned to believe that valuing our beliefs and our rights is selfish. Yeah. Hands down. You look at like anything like the Second Amendment argument, it's a great example. You know, people are very, very strongly feeling like, no, I want to keep my fucking guns, my, my, my rifles or whatever, like my assault rifles and stuff like that. Like I should have free access to that stuff because that's what it says in the Constitution. And people are going, well, you're an asshole because it's affecting other people and it's allowing these mass shootings and everything. So people who are Which up there, not. it's not, not at all. No, absolutely, it's fucking not. And but that's plenty of. But there's so much of that squeaky that. wheel bullshit that these people have to protect themselves and say, no, fuck you, that's not the case. That's not what's really happening. Look at all these reasons, and everything for it, and they have to protect their rights. And those people are being seen. The people that are marching on the Capitol, and whatnot, they came in with their rifles and whatnot. Everybody's like, oh my god, they're complete fucking idiots. They go into a Capitol with you know with guns and everything, and that's unnecessary. It's like, well, no, kind of, it's not. They have no idea how that situation is going to turn. And I can guarantee if they have the ability to fight back, the situation is much less likely to turn that direction unless you have somebody who is irresponsible with what they do. Like they grab their gun and they brandish it because they're, they're getting excited or whatever. Then it fucks the whole thing up. If you have responsible people that know how to responsibly control themselves and can protect themselves on both sides, we can have a good conversation rather than I'm the police officer and I'm going to tell you what to do. Because like, what's the so? What, I thought about this the other day. You think of like the SS with the Nazis, right? Uh, the, I, they they were in charge of enforcing what the Nazi regime was. 
did they feel like they were bad people in those times? I don't think so. I feel like if they thought that they were bad people in that times, they wouldn't have done those things. Well, I don't know. Did you see the video with the state policeman that went in and served that Carl the barber in Owasso, his uh, whatever notice that was? It was like basically to, to cease and desist or whatever. If you, would, if you watch that video and you see that state policeman walk in there and hand that paper to that 77-year-old man, he looked, he looked uh, pretty uncomfortable mm -hmm. doing it. You know, and do I think that that state policeman is a bad guy? Absolutely not. And I don't think that, I don't think that barber thought he was a bad guy. He's doing his job. Mm -hmm. He signed up to be a police officer, I presume, because he wants to serve the public, which is what a politician should do, by the way, is serve the public, not their own interests. Yep. It's a servant position. But, you know, it was pretty obvious that he didn't believe that what he was doing was really the right thing. He believed but enough, though, to not to, to be selfish enough. I think he, eh, I think he believed. I think he believed in being a state policeman, and I think he believed mm -hmm. in the chain of command, which is important to uphold. It really is. But you know, the thing that uh, the thing that would make it so much easier for him is if the person who was giving the orders was the one that went to was you know actually making like they weren't they were like we were saying like they were making decisions that were based on you know more than more than pushing a political agenda but it, sorry but that's what they're doing absolutely and that's but that's what i'm getting at is that police officer in that moment he had to enforce something that he may not have believed in fully but he was doing it because he was told to do it in that situation so this is when i think of like you know police officers and whatnot with this these people who are coming and protesting over in at the capitol and whatnot they're being told to do certain things and they're going to act with those certain things in mind with it. If they have all of the autonomy and authority to be able to do what is potentially being the wrong, hey, you're going to go shut this guy down. Everybody's like, no, that fucking sucks. Yet they're still going forward and doing with it. What other things are they going to go forward and do with? Because it's their fucking job to do what it is. And everybody can sit back and say, well, it's their job. You could not have gotten me to enforce that. I would have went unemployed. No fucking way. I'm not going to go serve that guy, hands down. It would have been the same thing any job I have. If I'm told to do something that I disagree with morally, I'm not going to fucking do it. That guy obviously didn't disagree enough with it morally to be able to say, I don't think this is right. And I bet you a lot of people did say, I can't do that. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like, and, and, if, and if that guy had going on and has had the, you know, what I, th what I think he did, you know, I, I feel sorry for him. Yeah. Because he's in a really tough spot. It's a really tough job. You're, you're trying to... Yeah, it's a tough job either way. But I mean, you're in a position where you have to try to, it's like you believe in the institution, mm -hmm. but you don't believe in this one thing that you have to go do right now. Yeah. And that's tough. Okay. Um, because it's like to not do one seems as though you're disavowing the rest of it too. Yeah. You know, but uh, I, one thing that I want to comment though about this whole barber deal and like these guys that were on the Capitol and stuff like that. And I think it goes back to this whole like the, the social media thing and everything. You know, these guys go to the Capitol and they're all wearing their ARs and stuff like that. Well within their rights. Um, do I think it was a smart or stupid thing to do? I wouldn't have I, shown up with I, an I, AR. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I would not I have done that. I didn't. <laughs> I, they believe strongly in what they believe, and it is within their rights to do that. But, you know, how is this really being perceived and what's going to be the reaction, right? Yeah. And did it really do anything? Yeah. Like, I, I kind of feel like it threw gas on the fire a little bit. For sure. For sure. And it then, yeah. then uh, this other group showed up and was escorting politicians into the Capitol with their ARs. Did you know that? Mm-mm. 
from like if we want to say that that first group that showed up was a bunch of like right-wing extremists mm -hmm. these were left-wing extremists look it up it happened okay so now we've got now now it's the same situation where you've still got two groups that don't like each other but now they're both wearing ars mm -hmm. again well within their rights but did this situation get better i would say it didn't then you've got this guy uh this barber right this 77 year old barber don't watch the videos of that okay is he well within his rights? I think he was. Was he doing something that he believed in? Yes, he was. Was he being really loud about it or wearing an AR about it? I'm very pro-gun. Let me get that out of the mm -hmm. way. But was he doing any of that? No. Okay. In fact, I, if he even has a Facebook, I never saw it. But somebody made a Facebook about supporting him. And 400,000 followers. Yeah. You know what he did? He just did what he was supposed he to just do. Did his, he just did his job. Yep. And it's amazing that that guy... Look at the look at the change that he was able to actually put into place, mm -hmm. not by trying to be the loudest, not by trying to prove other people wrong. He just wants to cut hair. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Keep it and simple. by and by being polite. When that state policeman when that state policeman gave him that letter, he's like, "Well, be sure to be sure to you know." Was it tongue in cheek or sarcastic? Yeah, probably. But he's like, "Hey, make sure you give Governor Whitmer all my love." Yep. That's what he said. Yep. He didn't say, you know what, F you, tell that governor to go F herself, you know, like whatever. He was classy. He was classy about it. Mm -hmm. And to me, that kind of thing, that is an example of a guy that's in control of himself. His emotions. His emotions. Yep. And the situation. That's a 77-year-old man that's been, that has learned for years and years about what is effective and what's not. How do you influence? Yeah. And he's been through some stuff, too, mm -hmm. yep. where he went through a different upbringing and growing mm -hmm. up than than a lot of people are right now but it's you know and they even do they even so if they didn't shut him down and he was still doing that and then the shiawassee county sheriff is like i'm not arresting him because mm -hmm. this is crap you know now you just made a big statement now you just made a big statement yeah. then laura pulled his license mm -hmm. still cutting hair yep and there are still there is still a line around the block supporting this guy yep so it's like who got done what they like what's your goal yeah is your goal to actually affect change is your goal to actually get something done? Or is your goal just to, like, mouth off? Well, it's kind of like basically. the how, how to win friends and influence people side of it. Like, if I show up with a gun and tell somebody to do something, they're not going to enjoy that. But, you know, I, I do wonder, and I'm, I'm not advocating for the people that showed up with the uh, guns at the Capitol. I'm not sure if it's right or wrong. They are expressing the severity of the frustration. So, like, it's kind of the idea in a negotiation. If you ask, you ask for the stars to be able to get to the moon, you really push and show, like, I'm ready to go to fucking war over this type of thing. That gets people's attention, and it starts the conversation. Because, like, everybody, everybody in the fucking it country. It gets people's attention, but, like I said, so did that. But, but not, did, did the barber get everybody in the country's attention? Or did it get the local Michigan people? Because I tell you this much, I have heard from people outside of this country about seeing the protests in, Mich in, in the, oh, yeah. at the Capitol. No, for sure. So, I yeah. mean, if, if, you know, we look at, like, the North-South divide almost like it back with slave times and we got this Democratic-Republican divide almost, I mean, there's a shitload of people that are in the middle. But ultimately, their purpose is they're trying to get people to take fucking sides. Yeah. And what did they, what did those guys accomplish? They got the, they got attention, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Did anything happen? Hard to say. Not really. You know, like how many of those guys? Like, let's say one of those guys. Let's just say one of those guys had a landscaping business. Mm -hmm. He would have done. He would have made so much better of a statement and been so much less polarizing. If instead of doing that, he just said, "You know what, man? I'm going to go cut some grass today." Yep. 
you know, and, and there's, you know, another thing too, you know, the people that showed up with the airs and whatnot, if you watch the uh, speeches and things that go there, they sound like idiots. They just, it, it's this, Trump's going to come and he's going to, he's going to fuck everybody up. And it's just like this yelling and the screaming. And there's obviously, these are people who have never given any public it's speeches. It's, it's, they're, 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 they, they sound radicalized. They sound disorganized. Like, so it's like, okay, you know what? That's what kind of sucks because like people like you and I, if we show up and we communicate clearly and we discuss things, we don't need rifles and things to be able to get that. If we show up with those things. I might things, have one on me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I might have it, I might have it under my jeans. If you show up in that situation with a rifle, with, I'm not you know, using and, it to get my point across. Yep. It's there to, it's, it's on my back because it's my backup. I'm going to use my words and I'm going to be effective with that. But you know what? I'm also really fucking serious about this where i'm not afraid and that's a good message is tying all those things together and there's multiple pieces to that but the problem is is we have people who are protesting and they look like fucking extremists because of the way that they're protesting and how they sound and what they're saying they don't have somebody who has a clear emotional uh you know they they, they know uh, emotional intelligence of themselves to be able to get that message clearly communicated across to the audience because the audience that they're speaking to are proliterate. They're people in government that have, you know, they they're used to with these types of of high end conversations. So now they're hitting a wall there. Well, and then another we... another audience that they're speaking to is the people that are going on Facebook. Yeah. Because, like I said, are they are they trying to actually get something done, or are they trying to just get attention? Yeah. You know. Yeah, and yeah, because I mean, they just did a protest. I think it was yesterday again. They go and do this protest, and they're like, "It's working! Look, they loosened up with boats and seats." It's like, well, at the same time, we're also going to loosen up no matter what. So, at what point are they going to just it's be like, like a classic overreaction that yep. you can't really go back and say if it really worked or not? Did it help or did it not? The problem is going to kind of solve itself on its own anyway. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the answer is to one way or another. My beliefs are like, use your words. You know, like you said, use your actions. Be the change that you want to see in society. I mean, I know what I'm going to do. Yeah. is what we've been doing, which is we're going to keep people employed. We're going to try and do as much business as we can. We're going to be smart and as smart as we can be, and we're going to try and be rational. And I'm, you know, I'm adapt gonna, to the change. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do what I can do. Yeah, like that's what I'm gonna do. Yep. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be worrying about what other people are doing, and I'm not gonna be worried about whatever. Like, it's not your job right now. If we talked about this before about the idea that like I'm not willing to go into politics right now. I just I it's not something I'm interested in. So I'm not going to sit there and judge and say people are doing things right or wrong one way or another when I'm not willing to take the the steps to be able to make change in those manners. Maybe someday down the road that's something I'll I'll consider, but at this point in my life, no. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait to find out what information is currently out there and I'm going to make my decisions on how I'm going to change what the way I do stuff because it is going to change and I'm going to make that make those changes at that point because I have no control in that situation and I'm not going to get angry about it because I have no control in that situation and getting upset and angry about something that you have absolutely zero control about is the dumbest fucking thing you can do. Most counterproductive thing you can do. Yeah. I mean the fact of the matter is like everyone's in control of their own self mm -hmm. and it's like Start there. Yep. And and go on from there. Yep. It's like get your shit together. Get in control of your own life. Make your own decisions on what needs to be done. And then start worrying about what other people are doing. Yep. yep. You know? Absolutely. So if you can even get to that point. If you're focusing that heavily on yourself and in being in control you know, of what you have. But if more people did that, we wouldn't need as many people trying to tell everybody what to do. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. You know? Cut your own grass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, 
whatever. Well, I think on that, I think that's a good note. Tony, thanks for coming and talking. It's always fantastic. It's it's hilarious. You know, we have these notes and trying to structure out exactly what we're going to talk about, and then we just kind of threw it out the window. And you know what? I like that type of conversation better anyways, is where does it lead us? And, you know, maybe that makes me not the best person for speeches or podcasts or anything because I'm not structured. But at the end of the day, I like this conversation. Hopefully you liked it too. So, again, Tony, thank you for coming on this. Thanks for having me. And, uh, but you guys, uh, if you like this, if you got value out of this, please share this. Please, please spread the word. Our entire goal of this podcast is just helping one motherfucker out. If one person takes this information and they end up finding that it helps them out and makes them more successful in a way, it's this entire one hour and 15 minute podcast that we just did is totally worth it. So thanks for listening, guys. I look forward to talking to you again soon. See ya.